Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in Gavazdan, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm mischievous Mark Chinacchio, and I too own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, as well as the Amazing Scarlet Spider. But the annuals, they, they don't count. But Scarlet Spider, I think, does, okay? Because it, it is an amazing book. The most hastily aborted series of all time i got all two issues of it dan so we're counting it <laughs> all right there you go so that's more of like a like a footnote to our collection than, <laughs> than anything else um i also own those two issues well welcome everybody to the amazing spider talk the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange fun and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. And thanks everybody for joining us for another one of our fabulous review episodes of the all new Amazing Spider Talk. They just keep putting these books out so fast, you know, we can't hardly keep up with them. It's true, Dan. Well, today on this show, for the for the third week in a row, we're going to be discussing a brand new issue of Amazing Spider-Man. This one will be volume five, number 57, legacy number 858. It is written by Nick Spencer with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Andrew Hennessy, John Dell, and Andy Owens, colors by Edgar Delgado and Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. Also, the cover is by Mark Bagley, John Dell, and Maury Hollowell. This issue was first released on January 13th, 2021. As I said, this is the third week in a row we got a brand new issue. They're pumping them out. This story must just be going really far-flung places, right? Like, so let's let's get right into it. Well, I mean, uh, th- you know, that's a good way of saying that it's not going far flung places. <laughs> and I think the way we can kind of tell straight away here is that, like, this doesn't even start, you know, with the end of the previous issue. We are, we are thrown back in time again to the start of, you know, I guess the moments right after the events of Last Remains, the event known as Last Remains, where Kindred is trapped in the spot cube and is being hauled out of the graveyard, the unmarked graveyard. You know, Peter is kind of picking up the pieces of like his life post that moment, which we'd already gotten past in the previous issues. Now we're kind of like playing catch up from Peter's point of view. I mean, I'm just going to say this, like this issue feels really like a retread, even if it is from Peter's perspective, but I don't feel like Peter's perspective was really needed. I don't feel like we really get that much new out of Peter's perspective other than him being mum about it. You know, I, I mean, I guess we get caught up pretty quickly, but like, I feel like we spend like at least a quarter of this book on things that don't really take the story forward. It's kind of funny. Last week when we were uh, doing the show, we I, I had mentioned, hey, not a lot of Peter in this book, you know, kind of weird to have this fallout issue that doesn't focus on Peter. That didn't mean that, like, we necessarily had to kind of retread everything that Peter experienced, especially when I feel like it added so little to the story. I mean, like, we got a lot of Peter and Norman Osborn again in this story. But you know what? We got Peter and Norman Osborn a plenty a few issues ago, and I felt, frankly, that was more interesting and compelling stuff especially with Norman at that point still being, I guess, kind of not under the Sin Eaters, um, well, it's not spell, but whatever, you know, being 
shotgun blast or whatever you want to call it. I mean, like, the, you know, like watching Norman kind of watching them do, redo this dynamic, essentially, except this time Norman is kind of a sniveling coward because, you know, I, I hate to be cynical, Dan, but like this is the status quo is not permanent no matter what they say right now. So it's like, you know, like watching the dynamic under this guy's it's going to be all rendered moot at some point anyway. So like, why, why are we lingering here with Norman all of a sudden being apologetic and kind of, you know, remorseful about all the torment that he's put Peter and Harry through. And like you said, what does this truly add to this story at this point? I mean, we are, I mean, we are well past spinning our wheels. Like we, we have been, we, we were spinning our wheels 10 books ago. I don't even know what this is at this point. This is like, it's almost comical in terms of where we're at, in terms of storytelling and structure now. What do you, do you want to start breaking down some, some segments here? I mean like this. Well, I want to push back a little bit. I I, I don't, I don't mind the whole, like, you know, will Norman forever be cured of the green goblin? The chances of that are very slim, right? I mean, like, if you can kill Norman off however many decades ago and him come back after 30 years or whatever, he's he's going to come back, you know, repeatedly over and over again. I don't mind that because that's the cyclical nature of comics. So, like, if that's the story we're going to tell, then fine. You know, let's tell it. And, and, I, and I do appreciate that the story at least kind of acknowledges it, right? If we're going to start breaking this down, the kind of the meat of this thing is Peter kind of telling Norman off and saying, like, I'm done with the goblins. I'm done messing with you guys. I've extended all of my sympathies to you, but I have, like, good people in my life that I've got to, got to protect. And, you know, at a certain point, like, I'm not actually doing the service of protecting people. I'm just caught up in this weird blood feud that's gone on for far too long. I, I do have some challenges accepting that that character from Peter. And I don't love the timing of this story, considering I felt like we got a pretty conclusive goblin story at the end of Dan Slott's run. But the Norman being cured is the least of my problems because I actually think it's fairly interesting and an angle that we've never really seen this character grappling with the guilt of the actions of the goblin. Like that's interesting to me. It makes him into a sort of Spider-Man character on his own, right? A guy who has made a bunch of mistakes and is now trying to live up for them. That's interesting to me. Maybe you make a parallel between Harry and Uncle Ben, right? If you could save your family member, would you? And now I'm probably going way too far down the rabbit hole of the themes presented here and, and putting stuff there that isn't there. But that's not a problem for me necessarily. It's just that like, I felt like there were no revelations in this conversation that suggested a change in the status quo for either of these characters that I'm eager to follow up on. Because they basically just say, like, time out for now. That's kind of where I'm at with it, Dan. And maybe that's why, I mean, like, regardless of kind of our, our differing perspectives on the legitimacy of it, I mean, like, the way I'm kind of seeing it is... I, I, I don't feel that this is like the real Norman, for lack of a better phrase. I think this is some kind of like inorganic, you know, projection of, of Norman here. If he was saying this kind of stuff and it was landing with any kind of efficiency that, you know, where like we could actually have some actual growth in the relationship of these characters, maybe that would be interesting to me. But but it's not. I mean, like Peter is just kind of like and, and you know, you could just say, well, because Peter is dealing with his own issues right now. And that's fair. I mean, you know, we, we, we are a couple of comics re- removed from a story where he was getting killed repeatedly. So, you know, he might be a little annoyed. <laughs> but like the fact is, the fact is, it's like I, I don't feel like having this dynamic, this dynamic as is, is not interesting because they're not doing anything interesting with it, to be frank. I mean, I, I just feel like whatever whatever we got in this issue, regardless of where they could go with it or what the potential is, they haven't done it yet. They haven't done it in 50, what are we on, 57 now, 56, whatever issues. They have not been doing interesting things with 
these these characters and i i'm not i'm I'm done being duped by it so you know start doing interesting stuff and i'll change my tune but like this to me was just it it was just wasted space because it's it's gonna be either nullified or they're not doing anything to make me want to not see it be nullified so what's the point i i hate to be so so nihilistic about it dan but like i i don't quite get what what I was reading here for 28 pages this issue like it just it just felt like just so much backpedaling and repetition and nothing just interesting I don't care I just don't care can I did I hear you correctly in suggesting that you don't think that this is Norman because that's not a question that really ever occurred to me oh well, I, I I shouldn't say that I don't think this is Norman like we we have had this version of this character for 50 whatever years 56 57 years at this point we are suddenly doing this very sharp change based on basically a MacGuffin being enacted and like it, it to me it's like this is not like an organic change in the character I mean this is this is this is magic basically it's a it's a wave of a wand that has created this character now so to me, it's almost to I, I shouldn't say it's not the real Norman, but it's not if, if they're going to change to the dynamic of these characters. I want to see it happen in some kind of organic, interesting way. And and waving a wand to me is not interesting. I, I, I think like it's basically, you know, playing playing make believe with these characters to 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 what end? I'm not sure to serve story over character, I guess. Could we be possibly suggesting that very down deep Norman has some kind of guilt and remorse for what he has done to Harry and to Peter and to everything? I guess you could you could say that because that's the powers of the magic gun that that fired at him. But the thing is, like, there is nothing <laughs> there is nothing in this story that has naturally led Norman to come to these conclusions. I mean, he has literally been the biggest SOB in the world to these characters for, for five and a half decades. So like it just feels unearned and uninteresting because I don't, I don't see how this is a natural path for these characters. It's like I said, it's magic. I'm not here for magic. Like let's like, like these are some of the best characters that this medium has to offer us. Like let's do real things with them. Let's not do magic with them. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to put you on the record here, Mark. Secret Scrolls from Spider-Verse versus Magic Gun from Sins Rising. Rank them in terms of your how much you despise them. I probably still rank Secret Scrolls higher in terms of the disdain list just because like I mean, seriously, what 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 are we doing in a Spider-Man book with scrolls? I mean, like, I I I I at least feel like a magic gun is a little more plausible. I mean, like, we we are working in a universe that has things like the Cosmic Cube and the Infinity Gauntlet. So, like, I mean, you know, we we it feels a little more grounded. Whereas scrolls, I feel like, you know, we're 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 reaching into a mythology that. It, usually is not you know aligned with the universe here so i i will say that but this gun is very close behind i agree with you i think the gun is cheap the only reason i'm i'm more willing to accept it and for me i think secret scrolls outranks the gun in my disdain is because the decision to throw Norman out of the craft and be shot by the gun was ultimately a decision that a character made and so it has some like uh, uh, weight behind it in terms of characterization. I don't think you were ever going to get a scene where Norman suddenly opened up his heart after years of therapy and was like, "I should, I should make amends for for all of this." So if you want to explore a character like that, I mean, why not a magic gun? I mean, it, it just sounds really inelegant when I say magic gun because <laughs> it is maybe the least elegant way you could pr- probably have handled it, but. At least the person who put him in front of the gun did so actively and in a way that I think will have repercussions and already seems to have had some, although minor, repercussions, which gets back to the heart of some of our critiques of this story. That's to say, like, I'm, I think I'm a little more on board with exploring this than you, even if I do think how we got here is not the cleanest way, you know, that we could. Uh, I do want to see it progress more actively. 
But uh, in this issue, you know, I, I was ready to have Spider-Man and Norman face each other for the first time in this new status quo. And there was some interesting things done done with it, like kind of exploring Spider-Man, his PTSD and, you know, how he didn't let Norman off the hook, even in the face of this. Uh, yeah, I, I think is interesting, but I don't know where this relationship is going. There's no tease for what's next for these guys. And I'd rather see them have to actively play off each other than kind of like, I'll see you, I'll see you never, which is not, not going to be the case. I agree with you in terms of like, it. I mean, the, the interesting wrinkle is, a, is that, you know, Peter created this monster or, or non-monster, however you want to see it. So like, it, it is interesting to watch him kind of once again, have to deal with the consequences of his actions. But the fact of the matter is, as you said, like we really, he, he really doesn't though. It's kind of like, you know, this, this story kind of ends on a note of, yeah, see you never, you know? And it's like, you know, well, are they actually going to team up here? And, you know, like I'm presuming yes, but the fact of the matter is like the, the glacial rate that this story is being told, who knows when that's going to happen now? You know what I mean? So like, so it's just kind of like continuing the frustration on that level, which is like, okay, well, maybe there is something potentially interesting here, but we're we're not we're not pulling the trigger on it, nor is there any indication that we're going to be pulling the trigger on it. It's just kind of like it's kind of like everything else with that's been going on with Harry and Kindred, which is like these very not even subtle allusions to things like Brand New Day, or excuse me, One More Day and Brand New Day. We're still not going to tell you what exactly is going on we're just going to make you make you assume and guess and i feel like that's what's happening here it's it's you know yeah i mean i'm assuming at some point everyone is going to have to come to terms with what's happened to everybody but this story does not advance that point in the least it's just kind of it's it's a rehash of peter telling off norman which you know we saw it a plenty in like the Paul Jenkins runs. We saw it in Dan Slott's run. We we have seen this. We have seen these conversations, except the difference this time is Norman is not ready to murder Spider-Man in return. That's that's where we're at, and that's fine. You know, like I said, I, I, I I'm just I, I'm and maybe this is just my pent up frustration with everything else that's been going on with this comic, but you know, you got to give me more than this. I think that's just where we're at now. You got to give me more than this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to let myself go down the rabbit hole of, well, it could be this, it could be that when there's just been no indication that, that the the creators are going down the rabbit hole. Well, I want to get to a point that you said about like all these things coming back to the goblin. We've seen this story over and over again. I think it comes to like a, you know, a critique maybe we've lobbied at Spencer, you know, a few times, which is, there's so much that in these books that exists on like a meta textual level that without progressing the actual text, like in the opening of this book, when Peter comes out of the tomb and has like a, you know, a tearful reunion with MJ, which I think is a repeat from the previous uh, issue where he found out she wasn't dead and they exchanged a kiss. That was far more impactful than, than this one was. Although Mark Bagley draws a great tearful Peter Parker, when when the order confronts him, you know there there you know Gwen is like, well, you got to give us something, and he won't, and that's like how we're all feeling. And if that's like a meta scream, it's like cool, we're on the same page as your characters, but like we're on the same page in that we're all frustrated, and it's not a feeling that I want to have, you know, uh, currently. But then you know this is to your point is that like Peter kind of blows up on on Norman saying that like no matter the status of Norman, he's always interrupting his life. And we even get like a Mason Banks shout out, which I appreciated. Got to keep that Mason Banks flame alive, Mark. I mean, you know, the best goblin mystery yet, I would say. <laughs> but that just gets to the point that like this book can't quit the goblin. And, you know, if this is Peter saying like this book needs to move past the goblin in some meta textual way or Nick Spencer saying like, I'm going to put this to rest in one final story. It's like, it would be great if I believed it, but like I felt in, in issue 800, we had a real, you know, apex for the Osborns, you know, yes, Norman thought he was Cletus Cassidy and was doing his own weird thing in absolute carnage. But I just don't know that we like 
to bring Kindred into this and make it all centered around the Osborns, if we are to believe that, which I think at this point we should, I think it just kind of further underlines, I'm just kind of sick of the Osborns dominating all the major stories in this book for, for so long. Even Superior, which finally felt like a break, it you know, the big ending was a goblin thing. And I'm just exhausted by this. And it seems like Spencer might be commenting on that. And if, if Spencer wants to play the role, as we've suggested, of Mr. Cleanup on the Spider-Man titles of like kind of fixing like long simmering things. And this is his way of ushering the Osborns off the stage. Great. But it doesn't make it like fun to read in the moment because I'm just kind of tired of the goblin stuff. I, I, I agree with that. But, and I agree with everything you said. I mean, but like, frankly, it's like, you know, there was nothing to clean up in this instance. I mean, I feel like where Norman was left and where Harry was left at 800, those two characters could have been, you know, frozen in time there for as long as Spencer wanted. Like, he could have written an entire run of comics without ever referencing the Osbournes again. I don't think there was any, like, like gaping hole there that would have indicated, like, oh, we, we, we got to tie that loose end up. You know what I mean? This wasn't like a Black Cat situation where it was like, well, you know, she's still out there ready to, like, murder Spider-Man <laughs> inexplicably. It, it is kind of odd to me that if, if that's what he's trying to achieve here, that this is how he's going about doing it. It's kind of like... This chair needs fixing. Why? I'm sitting in it and it's fine. And then like Nick Spencer saws off the legs. He's like, no, it needs fixing. It's like, oh, yeah, you're right. You better fix the chair now because you saw the legs <laughs> off. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know how else he 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 could have done it. Now we're in a place with Harry. And again, we still don't quite know what is going on. here. I mean, I feel like every time I, I put something on social media about Kindred and Harry Osborne, the the initial response from somebody is, is it even truly Harry? And like, yeah, the assumption is that it's there's something still going on here. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at the text, it's Harry right now. It's that it's Harry Osborne. That's there's there's no reason to not believe that. This is this is what we have been told, and until we get told otherwise, this is where we're at. So now it's like if we if we need to fix the this dysfunction of the Osbournes and how they've kind of consumed this book it's like well now you had a character that was truly like in a in a good place and put him back in a place he hasn't been in in almost 30 years essentially so like where where how now 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 you got more work in front of you there there is nothing in the text that we've been given so far that indicates that this isn't anything more than Spencer wanting to tell his Osborne story, you know? Like, I feel like he's wanted to tell his Craven story, he's wanted to tell his Lizard story, and now he's telling his Osborne story. But maybe maybe I'll be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, and, and that's not necessarily his fault. I mean, like, if, you, if you're given the pages of Amazing Spider-Man, you're going to want to do your Goblin story, you know? And I think maybe that's the problem, is that, like... And, I, and again, Nick, it's back to kind of, like, editorial, which is, like... I mean, if this is truly the thing that is like, you know, that was pitched to editorial as hanging the Nick Spencer run on, you know, they're not going to tell him don't touch it. You know, like that's the story they want to go ahead with. I would say maybe it wasn't the right time to go ahead with that story. You know, sometimes, you know, and, and you can you can follow Dan Slott on Twitter and he'll tell you about all the Spider-Man stories he wanted to tell, but he never really could and you think well how could he have more spider-man stories he didn't get to tell the guy was on the book for 10 years well you know some things don't work out and sometimes the editors tell you we're putting this character on ice for a while and so on so forth for me i do find there's something very odd about reading issue 800 where harry osborne is like a self-reclaimed man and then reading issue 802 ostensibly and he's suddenly a demon with years of history of being a demon Will that be cleaned up? I imagine it will. It does suggest not wanting to kind of let those pieces lie still for a moment. And I would I would put that like more on editorial than any writer, because if you gave me Amazing Spider-Man, well, if you gave me Amazing Spider-Man, I would want to do something completely different with it. But the average writer is going to go, I'll do something different within limits and get to tell my story of the Sinister Six or yada yada, you know? Let's talk about a few other things in this issue because we could probably be yammering about this forever. Let's talk a little bit about the the order the order, which has an official name now. It is the order. 
because um, nobody can remember if it was the order of the web or the order of the spider. So what's going on with uh, Jessica? Car- excuse me, Julia Carpenter here, because like I, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but I feel like what was it? One or two issues ago, she got blasted by the Sin Eater and I thought she lost her powers, but she seemed to be doing her usual shtick here. The no prize is everybody got their powers back except for Norman. That means that like it was an instant kill. Like she was like, take my powers. And then he got to got her powers, killed himself. And she got her powers right back, which like, fine. I guess that technically works, but also is kind of stupid in terms of like lasting consequences for actions that people take. But I guess she did like some three dimensional chess or four dimensional chess in her case. And, you know, that was the answer. So in other words, our our premonition that maybe Julia, you know, that, that Madam Webb was maybe going to be put on ice for a while were, was grossly exaggerated. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not even an issue. She made yeah, it. Yeah. I, I, I did kind of appreciate Spider-Gwen basically being the voice of everyone in this book. <laughs> basically, like, you got to give us something to Peter at one point when he's kind of coming out of the... the, the his stupor with with MJ and and you know I, I know you you alluded to the scene earlier but like I, I don't know if you mentioned the quote exactly I mean like I don't know like I I, I legitimately guffawed at that line when it, when it, when I read it because it just felt I, like I got to think that Nick Spencer is when he puts these comics out regardless of some of the the criticism that he might be getting from people. His his attitude is like no 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 I'm I'm telling the best story I can but then when he puts a line in like that I mean it's like I'm almost kind of like blink twice if you need help Nick I mean like if there's a problem right now and you're being asked to pad this thing out you don't have to put it in the text like that if that's how you're gonna do it I mean <laughs> like I, I it just it just it really made me laugh in a metatextual way like so much of this book <laughs> so meta. <laughs> So we move on from that scene to the stuff with Norman that we talked about uh, before. So a couple things I wanted to point out, like what's going on with Mark Bagley's Norman? Did he forget what Norman Osborn looks like in the 616? (laughs) I mean, this looks like ultimate Norman Osborn, like just flat out, maybe a bit thinner and, and, and more of a wimp, which also I think is kind of weird for Norman. It really bothered me the whole time. I was like, this is just like, like stock evil dude. Which, which is basically what he is in, in Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, it's a bummer. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agreed with that. It definitely had a very ultimate look to it. Uh, but like similar to last issue, I feel like there's just so much yammering and talking in in this book and the last book. And, you know, like we're not, you know, poor Mark Bagley. I mean, like, you know, we're, we're, we're a couple of issues re- removed from Gleason just drawing the hell out of the book. And I mean, Bagley's a great artist and like, let's, let's give him some fun stuff to do. These last two issues have just not been fun and like, they're not visually fun. It's just kind of, I mean, like, I guess Peter pounding on Norman is a little interesting, but like, I don't know, like it, it just, to me, like this was pretty bland stuff. And thus Bagley, I think was kind of, he, he didn't have much to work with here. I think he did like the best that he could in terms of like layouts with, with this scene. I mean, there there is some, you know, some interesting things like here. You you alluded to it, the Peter beating up Norman with this kind of like PTSD flashback as he gets very aggressive on, on, on Norman. And, and that was interesting. What did you think of Peter's characterization here? I mean, do you buy that he would be this aggressive and this dismissive of the Osborns. I mean, what wouldn't anybody at this point, but like there is a sort of like Peter puts up with it because he's a comic character and his thing is unending responsibility. I mean, I I guess the question is like, what is this truly different than the other times? Would this be the thing that broke Peter? Are we just going to go with it? I mean, we've, we've had this happen very, very rarely kind of like that moment of Peter breaking and it's usually temporary, but like, I mean, you know, frankly, you know, I always think back to the death of Gene DeWolf in the first Sin Eater story and kind of like his, his fight with Daredevil at the end and, and his fight with, with Stan Carter, where he basically almost beats him to death. One of my criticisms is always like, Oh, well, would Peter be pushed to the edge like that? If there was ever a situation where he'd be pushed to the edge, I, I, I do kind of buy this would be it. 
based on, you know, both the characters that are involved and frankly, what happened to Peter the last few issues between his own death and resurrection over and over and then thinking that MJ got killed off. So I buy it. I mean, it's it's a little rough to read, if that makes sense. Like, you know, like you still want to see your hero be heroic. He's anything but here. But like, I also don't blame him per se based on what we know and what's going on here. What's interesting to me, uh, as we always keep coming back to this kind of triggered response from Peter, like when he threw Norman out of the, the ship is that it's always triggered by, uh, you know, invoking Mary Jane's name in all of this. And, you know, he's very protective of MJ and, and even kindred highlighted that. And so much of kindred has been around him kind of toying with MJ in some way, you know, like, being in her apartment at the conclusion of hunted and suggesting he won't hurt her. But, you know, it, it seems like we're headed somewhere with that, you know, uh, whether it's harming MJ, like we were teased before, which is why like the suggestion of MJ dying wasn't one that upset me. Cause it was like, okay, we're, we're headed somewhere with this. So like, let's just get there. If you, if this is all about killing off MJ, Let's do it, you know, like uh, let's explore that because I can hang with that. Like a lot of people are going to listen to this and be like, oh, Gavazdan, I, I, I don't will never trust you again. I love MJ, but it's like MJ will always come back, you know, like that's <laughs> a key character. If that's a story you want to do and it's going to make the book more interesting in the same way that Jerry Conway knew that killing Gwen would make the book more interesting. Let's do it. You know, is it the best way to make the book more interesting? No. You know, like, let's go there. If that's where we're going, let's go there. But, uh, you know, here again, like mentioning and threatening MJ in some way, you know, does trigger Peter. And, and, and you know, you got, you got the counterbalance to that, which is like MJ becoming very OK with Peter as Spider-Man and issue 25 where she defended herself against Electro. You know, I, I wonder if we're, we're headed to kind of flipping you know, the, the events of like uh, one one moment in time where it was like, you know, Peter now, uh, you know, Peter can't handle MJ, being in a relationship with MJ, whereas MJ is totally cool with it versus instead of like, you know, the, the other way around, which was MJ who couldn't handle his super, handle his super heroic. So uh, in my mind, it seems to me maybe that's the direction we're heading is flipping that equation a little bit. OK, that's interesting. I dig that. Do we want to talk about the big, the final twist of this story a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, like, Peter beats up a Norman and is kind of shocked at his own violence and runs away. And Harry gets the final word saying, like, ha, 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 this is all going according to my plan. You know, the, the standard villain speech, which is just, like, it's just tired at this point. Like, okay, Kindred, like, you're a three-dimensional chess player. And it's, I only say it's tired because I can't follow it. You know, like I don't have any clue as to figure out what's going on. And so it's just like, well, I'm going to just have to wait and see what he's got cooked up. And that's just less fun than even beginning to guess where it's going, which at this point, I know I put a lot of guesses out there, but I, 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 I'm not, I'm not want to, to guess further. Although we're going to do it now because Carly Cooper <laughs> is at the morgue. And she's identifying all of the bodies that uh, Kindred assembled from a variety of different graveyards. So at least now we know they weren't all buried in the same place in uh, exposition dump graveyard or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Is there an exposition boulevard in, in, in New York? Because oh, there is in LA. So. I, I love it. I love it. Too much, too much exposition. Uh, uh, cemetery, uh, our, our holy name of too much exposition. <laughs> yeah. Who's the saint of exposition? Who's Catholic? We need to call someone quick. You know, she's looking at the bodies and she lifts up one of the sheets and just discovers there's an extra body and she recognizes it and decides to call MJ and tell her that Something very odd is going down. There's an extra body and it is dot, dot, dot until she's attacked by kindred centipedes, which begs the question, wait, isn't kindred locked up? Like, what's he doing here? How far do his powers extend? Did he escape the kingpin? I mean, I thought kingpin was ready to, you know, have his time with kindred, too. Or am I confusing the timeline? 
Yeah, I, I don't really know. And, and Spider-Man also suggested if Kindred got out, he would blame it on Norman. So I suspect Kindred is not escaped. So whatever. Somehow he attacks Car- Carly Cooper, who we can, I think, take off of our roster of who is the is Kindred, if, if, if we're still trying to decide that. It did make me think, Mark, and hear me out on this, there's more than one Kindred. Yeah, I mean, now what is this like? Like the Scream franchise, weren't there like multiple ghost face or something? So, I mean, could we be, could we have different people in, in kindred cloaks and, and masks? I guess it's possible. I mean, I mean, kindred suggests a, a multiplicity. You know, are there multiple kindreds? And Harry Osborne was just one of them. That That is an interesting theory to begin to chew on if you want to. I, I don't know what that means. Are there multiple people that feel like they have been wronged in some way by Peter? Are there multiple people whose lives were caught up in one more day? You know, I don't know. So Carly does not get to blurt it out, but there's a couple things to to go off of here. First, the look of the skeleton. And the second thing is that like, she immediately calls MJ. So let's unpack those. Upon... Those clues or whatever, like, what did you think of this moment? I mean, what did you think of it as a storytelling, you know, bit of storytelling? And also, what did you think of it as, like, you know, what could this mystery be? This is probably not going to shock anyone listening tonight in terms of the kind of mood I'm in. But, like, from a storytelling standpoint, <laughs> I, I kind of rolled my eyes at it. I was just like, yay, another mystery. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of of the mindset where, you know, like, can we resolve one mystery before we start going down the rabbit hole of another? And I'm, I'm going to assume because that's all we got right now, our assumptions that one mystery is part and parcel with the other and it's all related. And I get that. But like, I don't know, like to me, it just just felt like another layer of like, oh, let's play guessing games. And I'm 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 so burned out on the guessing games when it comes to this arc. It just didn't really excite me in any kind of meaningful way. I mean, you know, like, because I read, I, no, I read this in the in the print version, so I can't blame it on reading it on my phone. But, like, I didn't really get a sense that there were visual cues of who the skeleton was. Do, 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 so you're telling me there were visual, just, I hate to do this on the air, but did you have visual cues that you got from something? That might be a bit of a stretch. I mean, looking at the skeleton, there is hair, like gray hair associated with it that like seems like it's long like upon first blush i looked at it and thought that looks kind of like aunt may i mean as much as a skeleton can look like aunt may which is actually fairly a bit because aunt may has looked like a skeleton from here (laughs) here and there if you go back to the ditko era a misshapen skeleton i might add but a skeleton nevertheless you know and it also kind of made me think well like who has been noticeably absent from this story in terms of like a, a name drop. And I thought about like Captain Stacy, but I don't know what that would have anything to do with MJ. That's not really on, on my list. Plus we saw his skeleton. We saw his skeleton in the first issue, didn't we? So like if this was oh, like, Oh, a- you're right. We did. I'm, I'm losing it. Yeah. Yeah. Without having any kind of visual clue to go by. Cause I just missed it when I read the comic. Cause I'm dumb like that. I was my, I had two thoughts. I was like, she's either calling MJ because it's MJ. And then it's like, what the F or the other thing that made me think was, is it Harry? It was it like, you know, is, is Harry skeleton there? Cause like, you know, we've been saying this whole time, like, can this truly be like, the Harry Lyman from issue 800 like that, that we're dealing with, or is this some kind of like, you know, demon version of him that was re- re- resuscitated in, in one more day. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like that he, he got sent back to hell and died after Peter and MJ got together because of the deal and in, in one more day. I don't know. So that's why I was like, Oh, could it, could it possibly be Harry? So those are my, my guesses, not based on visual clues. I mean, if it's Aunt May, which from what you described sounds like it could be, I don't know what that does to the story. Like, what what, what does bringing Aunt May's corpse into it have to do with anything? My suggestion for that would be if we are truly doing a one more day thing and things from one more day are being unwound, you know, the reappearance of an Aunt May corpse could suggest that there is like some kind of convergence going on between 
whatever realities that we're existing in. If it ends up being Aunt May, that would be the thing that I would consider. Or maybe it's the actress that played Aunt May in issue 400. It's her corpse. There you go. I mean, that would be a callback and a half for sure. I mean, you know, but no, I mean, I, I, get, I see what you're saying. I mean, that, that would make sense that that if things were becoming undone, I mean, if this is kind of like the, the, the family photo of... Um, Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future and, you know, people are disappearing and reappearing or whatever. I guess that would make, you know, that would make sense here. But I am kind of so burned out on the guesses when it comes to this. Like, I just really, you know, I'm Gwen. Like, just you got to give us something now. Like, you know, like, <laughs> hey, we got another mystery. It could be this. Your guess is, is your guess sounds good. I also thought that your guess about Kindred sounded good. I thought mine was too obvious. And so far, it seems like mine is the right one. <laughs> so uh, let's see what happens next, Dan. <laughs> I, I, I just feel like if it's MJ, I don't know that like Carly would have phrased it the way that she did. You know, if she's like, and it's you, you know, like I, I feel like it would have been phrased differently. I think the Harry thing is like seems like the most accurate thing, but like. That's kind of a lame reveal. Like, uh, I mean, I I guess it wouldn't be that lame because it would start to piece together like how this happened, like how we find ourselves in this situation and maybe figuring out who Harry Lyman is, you know, and maybe that's related to one more day in some way, which they seem like they want to keep referencing that. So, like, I don't know why it wouldn't be unless this was all a big tease. And then the other thing I thought, like, okay, if she's calling MJ, maybe it's Peter's body because that's truly what like Carly and MJ, their relationship is based upon, you know, because we saw Peter die a bunch of times and who knows, maybe there's some ramifications of that, you know, it would seem kind of like weirdly immediate to like start throwing in like there's a dead Peter body here. So like, I I think like between all these, like to me at least, Harry and Aunt May seem like the most likely culprits. I don't know. That's my two cents. Probably dead wrong. You're not the only one who's dead. In this story, for sure. Same, same with the momentum of this story. Uh, we have one final scene where Peter shows back up in his bedroom where MJ is lying in bed and she asks if it's all over. And he says, no, it isn't. Uh, <laughs> it which must is kind continue. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah, that is that is all of our feelings. We are all Peter mournfully sitting at the end of his bed wishing for this to be over. I did want to say the the framing of like Peter's face there does remind me of like the opening of Spectacular 189 with him sitting there on the couch looking at the gotcha uh, box. It's probably not meant to, but like just the kind of framing of it from the wide to the close up on Peter's face looking straight on really reminded me of that for for whatever that's worth. So that's the end of the issue. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I I think this is the end of the fallout of Last Remains. I'm not entirely sure. We're getting um. It looks like a Mister Negative issue next, and the solicit suggests that like this is truly the end of the first part of Nick Spencer's story. So maybe we'll find out who that skeleton is next issue, and that will be the big end of the chapter. But I'm not holding my breath because I've learned not to do that for sake of my own brain cells. Mark, are we want to do some grades? You want me to go first and so I can so so I so I could so I could uh lower the curve here and and bring a bottom to this. <laughs> I'm I'm going to give this a D plus. I I just I was thoroughly unimpressed with it. I only give it as that as much as that for, you know, I feel like you said Bagley did as best as he could with it with the art even though some of the art still wasn't was a little clunky just because of the old, I think it's ultimateness, ultimateness. Yeah. Is that a word? I don't know. You know, Hey, we got a twist. So I guess that brings some level of intrigue, but I mean, we're now getting like, you know, we're, we're moving out of the, well, it's still good, but it's frustrating to, this is just all kind of bad to me now, but you know, we're that's, that might just be me. Where are you at with it? Like when writing my notes up for tonight's show, after having read this on Wednesday, I had like forgotten what had happened in this comic. And I was like, I need to reread this because like, I, 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 I have to search my memory for what, and it came back to me, but like when, when something is forgotten that quickly, you know, the, you know that you, maybe there was a better way to use those pages. And, and again, this is like all Spencer stuff, well-written characters, good dialogue, nice, nice, uh, 
you know, scene construction, but like without the, without meat, like just keep going, you know, why are we stringing this along? So at this point for me, it's a C minus and I'm heading into your territory. If we continue to decide to not end stories or give the audience anything to work with, it's a real shame because like, like I said, like, you know, Hope springs anew all the time because I know it. I know there it's in Spencer to do this right, but for some reason we're just not getting there. It's not like I'm reading this book saying, "Who the hell are these people? What am I reading here?" It's not like that, but like spinning your story to these levels, it's like I mean, it's just it's not good, you know. Like you can't you can't tell a story this decompressed. I mean, like Brian Michael Bendis would read this right now and be like. Whoa! What are you doing? You know? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is this is this is just taking it to a new level of decompression, and and like I I think it, it's a terrible trend. Like this is you got to do better than this, especially when there is there are signs of goodness there and of like competence and of you know just just insightfulness and intelligence in terms of how these characters are being written and the relationships and the art is generally strong so like why is this not clicking and it's not clicking because we there has been this, this active choice whether it be from editorial or spencer or everyone to basically decompress this story to hell and and bring and drag this thing out for as many chapters as possible i mean you know like I don't know if this if this story is is has a peer outside of the clone saga in terms of bring, drawing something out, and we still talk about that years from you know years at later in terms of how not to tell a story, and I, I'm concerned that we're going to be doing that with this years from now because it's just, you just don't tell stories like this. It's just bad. It's bad storytelling. So, and and I have no doubt that this story is written specifically for us. I mean, like maybe not like you and I. You know, but like we are the audience for this story, right? Like it is hardcore Spider-Man nerd stuff, but also hardcore Spider-Man nerds are used to like the character bouncing. You know, he's the everyman because he's in every, he's got his finger in everything. It's also just really dour stuff. Like I, I don't pick this up and like find joy in it. It's like upsetting re- reading characters like this and Man, I mean, like, uh, I think earlier in his run with some of the boomerang stuff was like kind of funny and enjoyable. And I, I feel like we've spent a year now in just like dark territory. It's funny, you know, <laughs> and this will be my last thing before we go into our, our outro here, Dan. But like it's, you know, I think early on and he might have when he when we interviewed him had mentioned this, that. You know, one of his influences, and this 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 is is J M Dem, J yeah J M Demetrius, and this v- feels very much like J M D. Not when he did Spectacular and the Harry Osborne stuff, frankly, but when J M D did a- Amazing, which kind of branched into the Clone Saga. And you know, at that point, I think J M D's personal life wasn't in a great place, and I think the storytelling reflected that. And and Bagley has like said in interviews, while you know, he ended up doing great work with JMD and loved working with him, there was a time where he was kind of like, I don't know if I really want to be working with that guy because, you know, it's he's 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 kind of depressing. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and it's kind of funny that Bagley is back. I mean, it's not I don't know if you want to call it full time, but back on this book in a way that he hasn't been in decades and he's doing the same kind of stuff he did with JMD and it's got to kind of be like, oh, okay, you know, like, but yeah, like it's dour and it's kind of depressing and there's no hope spot. I think I mentioned that phrase a while ago, many, many years ago, where that becomes a frustration. It's like, you know, at some point it's superhero comics. It's a fantasy. We're all living the fantasy. We need hope. And there is no hope in this book right now. There is no hope on the horizon. There is no reason to feel optimistic about what's going on with these characters. And that's kind of kind of a sad state of affairs in superhero comics. So, well, especially considering the world that we're in right now, although you can't blame Spencer for that. No, because I, I blame Nick Lowe for that, for putting two annuals in one year. So like 
that's what happened in 2020. I'm yeah, going to stick I mean, with that. I mean, they're not under any obligation to tell us happy stories because the world is a dumpster fire right now. But like I said, like I, I, I do feel there is an element of storytelling of, of, of this medium where you have to you have to show where the hope is, even if the hope is on the is well out on the horizon or, or you know, is going to take all kinds of yeoman's work to, to get there. I feel like you need to you need to at least show where the hope might come. We got that the whole time during Superior. We knew as as bad as the situation that Peter was in in Superior, he was dead. We had a hope spot. Which just reminded me, could the skeleton be Doc Ock? <laughs> we never got <laughs> we never got the resolution on the Doc Ock skeleton, did we? <laughs> I feel like we did, but I'm always forgetting what it was. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Why don't we go why don't we take it home, Dan? <laughs> all right, all right. Take it home, Mark. Alas, it is that time. Time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of the Amazing Spider Talk. This episode was edited by Rick Coast with production support from Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friend, Sal Busema, and Ray Sumzer. And our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. This episode was originally released on Patreon as a live stream hangout with us back when the comic was first released. So if you'd like to help support our show's continued existence and these reviews while joining us on the live stream, why not head on over to our Patreon and sign up? So, Mark, until we figured out whose body it is that you've had rotting in your basement for all these years, I mean, come on, just who is that? What is our motto? I mean, are you saying, is it like Flash Thompson? I mean, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's it's your it's your basement, Mark. So you would know better than I do. I mean, you've been you've been broadcasting for a while now, but that that stench, covering it up with your your drunken behavior with all the beer you drink. You see the smell. I'm lines a little coming. concerned. Yeah, yeah, I can see the smell lines. Yeah, I'm like Pigpen from Charlie Brown. Anyway, our motto, of course, Dan, is with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. Don't, don't. The next instance.